Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. I want you to put your hands together for in the room tonight as we welcome Dr. Cindy Trim. How's everybody tonight? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Something that has been illegally bound is getting ready to be loose. Whether it's your son or your daughter, your husband, whether it's your money or your health, God is about to do something extraordinary for you. Hallelujah. If you're sitting next to someone, why don't you let them know that God is up to something great and he has you in his mind. Before we get started, we want to make sure that you reach out to your friends. Let them know that something great is about to happen. We want you to hit that share button. We want you to give in this session. If you have not given before, after tonight, you are going to want to plant a seed. Those of you that need to become partners, we are encouraging you to become a partner. We are on the move, and we want you to be on the move with us. If you cannot go, say, We are touching nations. We are adopting cities. We are revolutionizing lives. We are empowering women. And God has smiled on us. But he has not only smiled on us. He has smiled on you as well. The heaven is open over your life. Something good is about to happen to you. Let's just give the Lord some praises as we pray. Yes. Our Father and our God, we give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you because we sense your anointing. The heavens over our lives are open. We bless you for blessing us. We are thankful, oh God, that we are able to live the blessed life. Let your anointing flow. Let yokes be broken. Bring deliverance to our heart. Bring health and healing to our families and to our nations and to our community. Those that are struggling and those that are persecuted, let them know that they are blessed. Father, I thank you for thinking through my mind, speaking through my lips. I decrease so that you may increase. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your blessed hands together and let's praise the Lord. Let's begin to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may take your seat. We are going directly to the word of God and we are dealing with the uh, eighth law, the law of opposite effect. And I'm excited about this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter five, verse 10, and I'm giving you an opportunity. We are speaking about the blessed life. God said that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And this is just a practical way for us to look at scripture, to extrapolate 
principles to apply to our lives so that we can walk through life with strategies that will bring the success and prosperity that God has promised every believer. I believe that this is a season where we are literally going to see lives turned around overnight. I believe that businesses are going to be turned around overnight. I believe that families, uh, relationships are going to be turned around. I believe that God is about to do something great for each one of us. I'm expecting it. I'm decreeing and I'm declaring it. And it is so in Jesus name. If you would turn with me again to Matthew chapter five, verse 10. It says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this is the law of opposite effect. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the law of opposite effect. It says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Albert Einstein in a letter to um, a, a professor emeritus of philosophy at the College of the City of New York. He was defending the appointment of Bertram Russell. It's, this is a famous statement that he made. Um, and they were uh, trying to say that Bertram Russell uh, was not a good candidate as a teacher there at city, um, at the College of this City of New, York, uh, of New York City. And so they were opposing his appointment to that position. And one of the things that he stated, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. The mediocre mind is incapable of understanding the man who refuses to bow blindly to conventional prejudices and chooses instead to express his opinion courageously and honestly. Great, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from the mediocre minds. The mediocre mind is incapable of understanding the man who refuses to bow blindly to conventional prejudices and chooses instead to express his opinions courageously and honestly. Blessed, the scripture says, are those or they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's talk about persecution for couple of minutes. Have you ever been persecuted before? Um, and, and, and for no good reason where it's almost like a satanic concentration on you. Uh, it seems like you're the, um, honeybee and, and uh, there's a lot of people around you that be, can be persecuted, but you get picked on and you get persecuted and you're persecuted because someone feels threatened by your strength. They feel threatened by your greatness. They're threatened because you're a nonconformist or because they can't control you. They're threatened by your influence, your level of influence. They're threatened by your wealth. They're threatened by your personality. They're threatened by your anointing. And they're threatened by your difference. You're not like them. You'll never be like them. You don't think like them. You don't act like them. You don't expect the same thing. People persecute you when they resent the fact that you have a certain pedigree or you have favor or you look a certain way or you're intelligent or you have opportunities that maybe they didn't have or you're, you have power that they feel as if 
they don't have, or you have a temperament that is different, or you have strengths. You know, a lot of times persecution and the persecutor it's, it's a sign of their weakness and not of their strength. It's a sign of their fear and not of their courage. It's a sign of their insecurity and not of their security. It's a sign of self-doubt. And uh, persecution happens all over. We read every single day how Christians are being persecuted. They're being persecuted. They're being killed. Even in the United States of America, Christians are being persecuted. Uh, they want to take prayer out of the school. They don't want to, you to bring your Bible um, in, into the workplace anymore. Uh, we are simply being persecuted for righteousness sake. Now it's one thing when you're being persecuted for being unrighteous, but it's yet another thing to be persecuted when you're righteous. Now persecution comes from this uh, Greek word dioko, dioko. And it means to make to run or to flee or to put to flight or to drive away. In other words, there is enough hostility to drive you away from something. When people persecute you, they want to drive you away from success or push you out of righteousness. Now, just think about this, that Satan is a persecutor. And what he wants to do, he wants to drive you out of the presence of God. He wants to drive you away from what God is doing in your life. He wants to drive you out of a position of power, a position of authority, a position of holiness. He wants you to resign yourself to say, this ain't worth it. That after I've served God, is this what I'm going to end up with? Is this the pain I'm going to have to live with? The Bible lets us know that behind persecution, there's a principality. And there's a principality that wants to drive you out of what God is doing. Let's turn with me to a scripture found in Genesis 26. We want to look at this principality, this, this, this power that, that is after moving us away from the will of God. The Bible says in, in the book of Genesis 26, starting from verse number two, we might as well go there, or verse number 12, starting from verse number 12, verse number 12. The Bible said that Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. We're talking about the blessed life. The Lord blessed him. Now, not everybody is going to be happy with you living the blessed life. There are people that are going to try to persecute you. I think one of the greatest persecution against the church is the persecution against prosperity. And I've seen it over and over again where people began to talk about the prosperity message. And all preachers want is money. And all believers want. And people say, well, I thought you were a Christian. So you drive up in a fancy car and they make a dumb statement, I thought you were a Christian. No, I am a Christian. Why? Because they believe that Christians and Christian preachers should take a vow of poverty. But we never took a vow of poverty. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And if prosperity is, 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 is used to underwrite the kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom, then I say that God should prosper us more and we should have more prosperous messages. 
Now, Isaac is prospering in this land. It's a, in a land where he planted a seed, and the soil was good because of the seed that he planted, but it was only good because he planted it by revelation. And this is the power of the seed. A seed should be planted by revelation, not by resentment. There are a lot of people that resent seed time not knowing what God would do. And the backdrop of the story is this, that the whole world was in a recession. And therefore, they were an agrarian uh, nation. And uh, this land was supporting two nations, the Philistines as well as the Egyptians. So they were planting in the same soil, but no one was getting a harvest. The land was barren. So then one man with a revelation plants a seed and he gets a harvest 100 fold. So now you know that they're jealous because we planted and planted and planted, but we're not getting a harvest. How is it that the land did not yield its fruit for a nation, but yielded for one man? Going into the same soil is because when you plant a seed, a seed should be planted by revelation. This is important for us to understand this is the power of the seed. And so unless you have the revelation of the seed, even if I told you the soil is good, the soil would be good for me, but not for you. Because it would be, you'd be planting under duress rather than revelation. This is the power of the revelation. And so the enemy wants to keep us blinded to the power of the seed. And we resent it. We resent if someone says, we want everyone to give a $1,000 seed. Instantly, legs crossed, arms crossed. And then the enemy plants in our mind, all preachers want is money. Have you ever noticed that the enemy doesn't plant that in your mind when you go to Louis Vuitton to buy your purse? You pull out every credit card until the credit cards are screaming, no more, no more. <laughs> Have you ever noticed how big $100 is in the offering, but how small it is when you go to get groceries? So the enemy fights you when it comes to the kingdom, but when it comes to the kingdom of darkness, he's not going to fight you. This is why I know the power of planting seeds. But beyond that, verse number 13, the Bible said, the man waxed great and went forth and grew until he become very great. That word great was wealthy. And the Bible said that he kept on to wax, for, to, to, to wax and went forward and grew. It says he waxed great. In other words, he kept prospering and prospering and prospering and prospering until he became very great. So he went from just being a multi-millionaire to being an immobiliere. That means that you can count your money. Very great is just very great to me. He had a whole lot of money. Verse number 14, for he had possessions, look at this, of flocks, possession of herds, of great store of servants, and the Philistines did what? Envied him. When people persecute you, they are jealous of you. And jealousy is different from envy. God is a jealous God. It means that God doesn't want to share you with the devil. He doesn't want to share you with sickness. He doesn't want to share you with poverty. He doesn't want to share you with depression. Are you getting that? Jealousy. It means that I have something that I don't want to share. Now, this is important when it comes to a seed because the seed is a key for unlocking the door that gives you access to the wealth of the wicked. If the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the sinner, it means that it's just laying there. What is the key? How do we get that wealth? One of the ways that you get that wealth being transferred is to plant seeds. 
So now they're noticing that he's very wealthy, very powerful, very influential, and they envied him. And verse number 15, for all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with the earth. In other words, God made him prosper you over here, but he's not going to prosper you over here. And he's not going to prosper you over here because I'm going to make sure he doesn't. This is this is how devious people are. People will pray for you as long as you're in poverty. But don't let God start blessing you now. There, that's when the persecution really happened. So they started filling up the wells with soil. Verse number 16, And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. When people reject you, it's because they do not have capacity for your greatness. They don't have capacity for your power, for your intelligence, for your anointing. They rejected him and they said, get away from us. Now, persecution, look at this. It always starts with rejection. Rejecting you for something. And so, verse number 17. Isaac and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelt there. It seemed like they would leave him alone. Isaac digged again the wells of the water which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found their well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerah, dwelling, which, which means dwelling place, did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek. And the word Esek means contention. So Gira has a lot to do with your home, your dwelling place, where you live. And you are going to have to sometimes con- con- contend with individuals that are your blood, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your cousin, your auntie, your kinsmen who persecute you for no apparent reason. And many of times the persecution is coming to drive you away emotionally so that you don't see what God is doing for you. Persecution comes to blind you. And there are many people that are living in homes and apartments and flats and condominiums and and mansions that are being persecuted by the people that should love them and that should celebrate them. But I decree and declare in the midst of your home, you are going to be hidden in the secret place of the Most High God. You are going to pray more. See, when you pray and when you fast... And when you serve the Lord and when you go to church, all of a sudden the persecution starts. You don't have to pray that much. Why you got to go to church? Why you got to give so much money? You think you're better than us. No, I don't think I'm better than you. I'm a part of you. I'm your brother. I'm your sister. And so many believers are being persecuted, especially if they have been converted from one religion to Christianity. And there are people every single day that have to choose between family and God. 
And no one should have to live like that. The persecution comes and it comes in your home. My sister, her first marriage, as long as she was not saved, her husband was happy. But when she got saved, that's when the persecution came. So she would go to church. Seems like he would be happy that she's living moral and ethical and he has a godly wife. And she would come home and the contention will start. In your dwelling place, Esek occurs. Contention. And there was so much contention until he said, you got to make a decision between me and God. There's a lot of husbands that are married to godly women and Christian women who feel as if they're in competition with God. That somehow you've got to be able to give up God to be married to them. Well, my sister said, then, you know, take everything. Take the house, take the car, but I'm taking Jesus. And he divorced her. She later remarries, has two other beautiful children from the first marriage. She had a a beautiful daughter from the second marriage. She had two beautiful girls. One's a doctor and one's a, uh, a lawyer now. And the other's an actuarial scientist. And it's interesting because after a while, he, he found out that he made a mistake. I want you back. It's too late. It's too late. I am praying for you who have to go home at night and be persecuted by the people that love you. Even in the house of of, of individuals, sometimes you take individuals in. They're not even kin and they persecute you. And this is what happened to Hannah. This is the jump off. This is the husband's girlfriend. (laughs) Penina, a girl named Pearl, because her name means Pearl. A pearl is formed in, the middle, in an oyster that is irritated by a speck of sand. And it builds a hard core around itself to protect itself. So many people are hardened by life. And it feels as if you are rubbing them the wrong way. But in fact, they are rubbing you the right way. They are pushing you into a place of prayer like Hannah, like Hannah. Find your place of prayer in the midst of persecution. Why? Because your place of prayer is your place of power. It's your place of protection. It's your place of deliverance. It's your place of breakthrough. Find your place of prayer. The Bible said in verse number 20, that he goes to his place, Gira, which means dwelling place. And he strove with Isaac, his herdsman, saying, the water is ours. And he called the name of the well, Isaac, which means contention. It means that you're being persecuted in your own home. The second verse number 21 says, and they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of that Shitna, which means strife. Look at this. If it ain't one thing, it's another. First you go from contention, then you go to strife. And he removed thence and digged another well, for they strove not. And he called the name of of it Rehoboth, which means wide place or wide street. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us 
and we shall be fruitful in the land. Now, this is important to understand. Because if you understand what God is doing in the midst of persecution, do you notice that in each stage, he's pushed to one place, then he's pushed to another place, then he's pushed to another place. Now, I liken this to God birthing you from one realm of power into another realm of power, into another realm of power, and he's using the enemy like resistance. Persecution builds up resistance. Now, those of you that uh, exercise, and I exercise every now and then when I get the anointing, (laughs) but I'm supposed to be waking up every Tuesday and every Thursday to do resistance. And when there's a time, as long as I'm disciplined, I'm good with the weights. But when, whenever there's a lapse, when I go back, my muscles hurt, my back hurt, my legs hurt, I go to bed, I wake up, I wake up stiff, you know. But as long as I'm pushing those weights, I stay flexible. Sometimes we don't understand the reason why God allows persecution. The devil is used just for resistance. Now, I have something called a dumbbell, and I use the dumbbell to build muscles. The devil is your prophetic dumbbell. He's building muscles that you're going to use in the next realm of dominion and power. All things are working together for good. When you are up against the rope, And the devil is pounding at you, giving you a rope of dope. It is because God is getting ready to put the fight back in you. And he's getting, he's going to give him an uppercut and a knockout blow in the next realm of your authority. The Bible says that eventually he digs a well and they push him into a place where he uncaps the wells that his father or his uh, forefather, Abraham, had built. He was being pushed into place. Or he was being persecuted into a place of power. Here's the promise of God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 19 to 7 and 10. The Bible says, to cast out all thy enemies from before thee. I'm going to cast out all your enemies before thee. And when the son asks thee in time to come, saying, what meaneth this testimony and the statutes and the judgment which the Lord our God commends you? Then thou shalt say unto him, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, upon all the household before his eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. In other words, we went through this, but we see the hand of God in the midst of persecution. My mind goes to Daniel. And the Bible says this about Daniel, that he was a man of integrity. And they could not find anything wrong with him. He was blameless before the Lord and before man. So what did they use? They used his integrity against him. 
And when they used his integrity against him, they threw him in the lion's den. But if you read the text after that, you find out that when he came out, it was the king that glorified God and said, we've done our worst to you, but you came out leading the pack. Truly, your God shall be the God of this land. And not only that, he was promoted, and after he was promoted, there was a transfer of the wealth of Nebuchadnezzar that was given to him. What God is doing and letting us know is that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. That the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And we are blessed if we are persecuted for righteousness sake. Because what God is going to give us, he's going to give us the kingdom. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one word, not one jot, not one tittle is going to pass away. I read this poem. It was supposedly written by Mother Teresa. It was a version that was found on her wall in the children's home in Calcutta. He talks, she talks about persecution, and I love what it says. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create it anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, and some may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give it anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God, and it was never between you and them anyway. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Why? It ain't about them anyway. Because God said, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The enemy persecutes you, hoping that you would not realize that God has something great in your future. And he's hoping that you'll give up. He'll hope, he's hoping that you'll throw in the towel because you're being persecuted in your family. You're being persecuted in the workplace. But it ain't about them anyway. It's about what God is doing in you and for you. Why? Because you're blessed. Our Father and our God, we thank you. All of us have suffered some form of persecution, whether it's in our home or in the workplace. We have suffered at the hands of individuals who were insecure because of our strength, who were jealous because of our blessing. But we refuse to give up under the pressure and to give in and to allow anyone to control our emotions and our mind. Father, we pray for those that are going through. We pray for the saints 
in foreign countries that are being persecuted, where churches are being burnt down, where lives are being murdered, but they are standing up for righteousness. We think about the persecution of those that went before us, those that were tried by you, but they never ever gave up their faith and their trust and their love for you. I decree and declare, we will not give up. We will not give in. And Father, though they slay us, yet we will trust in you. I pray for peace that passes all understanding, that you would rest, that you would rule, and you will abide in us. Now unto him who is able to do the exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. It's according to the power that works in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't give away your personal power because of persecution. God bless. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 